Hey guys, welcome to today's discussion. We will be going over the unmanifested being as described by Raw and the Law of One. Um, done, I've done some meditations on this and um, hopefully I can add a little bit more insight about what part of ourselves are we interacting with. Um, and we know with this, these energies increasing and in that we are going to be experiencing a what's called an expanded version of self and we know with the self there love one says there's only identity which is the creator the one infinite creator um however there's i feel like there is steps on a ladder along the way um as far as how we um arrive to that point and it starts with discovering the, the other parts of ourselves that we are interacting with uh, or interacting with us. So let's get into the sessions and can add some input in along the way. So this is session 71, question five. I do have a couple extra uh, sessions that we'll go over that I did find interesting. Um, but we'll start with this one. This is a complete definition of what Ra says the unmanifested being is. Uh, Don asks the questions. Um, and they say the unmanifested being is, as we have said, that being which exists and does, does its work without reference to or aid from other selves. To move into this concept, you may see the inevitable connection between the unmanifested self and the metaphysical or the time-space of the space-time self. So, what's the space-time self? Okay, let's start there. The space-time self is you right now. You sitting where you're sitting or standing where you're standing. That is your space-time self. You are sitting there and you are seeing space, three dimensions of space around you. And there is one di one dimension of time. Okay. Time is linear where you are sitting right now. That is your space time self. Your time space self is what they're calling the unmanifested and the metaphysical self is a part of you that exists in time space. So that is a part of you that exists in one dimension of space and three dimensions of time. So three dimensions of time, past, present, future, they're all happening at one time. Okay. Uh, and there is an inevitable connection between the unmanifested self, whoops, the unmanifested self and the metaphysical self. Um, and they go on to say the activities of meditation, contemplation, and what may be called the internal balancing of thoughts and reactions are those activities of the unmanifested self more closely aligned with the metaphysical self. Okay, um, balancing of thoughts and reactions. I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of my inner work has involved me sitting down at the end of each night and really going over the day about how I could have done better or worse or uh, what reactions that I did during the day that I want to want to change for next time to the better or more service to others or or if I need to be worse, you know, and I should have had boundaries in this particular situation or not boundaries, you know, or I'm, my boundaries are too high or 
you know, that was my, my, my trauma, keeping that boundary too high. The walls are too thick. I need to kind of let that go a little bit. I need to forgive this and that. That is your unmanifested self doing those actions. Okay. This is also what they say, the part of you that's in time space. Okay. So if I say, visualize yourself in, um, just in, in the cosmos floating there. You see an analog of you in the cosmos, floating in the cosmos somewhere. Can we say that that's your time-space analog? If so, that's been there the whole time. We just didn't realize that was another part of ourselves that exists in uh, this, this time-space. So let's move on. There's a couple other things that I want to add to that. And this is actually talking about... Um, the energy center is in various bodies. So we already know the unmanifested self is extremely connected to the metaphysical self. Okay, so Don has two questions. Would you please list the polarities within the body which are related to the balancing of the energy centers of the various bodies of the unmanifested entity? Okay, so you're the various bodies and energy centers are, uh, you know, your red ray, green ray, um, all in between. So if I say visualize yourself with these energy centers um, in front of you or what have you, that is your unmanifested entity within yourself. So raw answers, a great deal of thought, which we appreciate. Uh, it's possible that the question itself may serve to aid meditations upon the subject each unmanifested self is unique okay and my unmanifested self is not like your own okay uh, these basic polarities have to do with the balanced vibratory rates in relationships between the first three energy centers so red orange yellow to a lesser extent each of the other energy centers do they answer the question more specifically? Let's go into that. Okay, probably in the next session. Okay. All right. This has to do with um, unmanifested portions of learning. I will go over it. It's not necessarily tied to, well, I guess it is tied to the unmanifest itself, but uh, this is session 82, question 17. Um, the queries that they were questioning, maybe pursuing the pro possibility, probability that the mechanisms of experience and third density are different if a mind-body-spirit is attempting them rather than a mind-body-spirit complex. So it's important to be complex, a connected complex between your mind, your body, and your spirit, and seeing them all as one instead of seeing them as separate portions um, of you. The nature of third density is constant. Its ways are to be learned the same now and ever. Thusly, no matter what form the entity facing these lessons, the lessons and mechanisms are the same. The creator will learn from itself. Each entity has unmanifest portions of learning, and most importantly, learning which is involved 
with other selves. So, I mean, the most important thing we can do is as far as learning in this um, crazy thing that we call life is interacting with other other selves and seeing them as other selves too, um, other portions of the creator. You know, the same the same point of consciousness exists within you that exists within another person. We are the same. We are the same um, um, the same action of creation. Okay, so I think this is speaking on terms of white magic, actually. So I feel like if we learn or if we understand what the unmanifested self is and the fact that we have had this all along, we just maybe didn't have a term for it or didn't realize it was an expanded version of, of ourselves, we can uh, potentially do and be more efficient with uh, whatever kind of white magic, you know. And I feel like, honestly, consciousness is white magic itself consciousness is white magic itself you know when we when we're talking about the the magician archetype it's just the magician is consciousness not necessarily consciousness that is thinking and doing things but just consciousness in general i feel like that alone is is white magic um and you know it it as far as creating changes in consciousness at will i mean that is a magician you know using his will and effort and and seeking to you know create these changes um the ross says this definition is acceptable that it takes place upon the adept the burden it shall bear it may be better understood by referring back to an earlier query in your assessment within this working having to do with the unmanifested self. In magic, one is working with one's unmanifested self and body, in mind and in spirit, the mixture depending on the nature of, of the working. So I do want to slip in a little bit of spoiler. There's one session I want to go over where it basically talks about, you know, um manifest versus unmanifest is basically the 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 line between what's visible and what's invisible so we'll go over that in a little bit but what's invisible like you know the idea of me that i have in my mind you know my unmanifested self nobody else can see that so you're working with the the visual of your own self the part of you that does the meditations the part of you that uh, does all the visualizations and the clearings and you know all of that good stuff um, these workings are facilitated by the enhancement of the activation of the indigo ray center right visualizations the indigo ray center is fed as are all energy centers by experience but far more than the others is fed by what we have called the disciplines of the personality so which i went in depth um a little bit on last time on you know how how we are doing these these disciplines as a personality and again it's you know I, I even said it earlier this time going into um contemplation each night on 
did I react in a way that I don't really feel is appropriate? No. Um, how would I like to react in that manner the next time this situation or catalyst comes around? Um, which, you know, there's, there's also a session that says, you know, when the catalyst is no longer needed, like that's whenever you kind of move on to the next octave. So, and I think, you know, I, we all have a lot of work to do. So myself included. So as much work as I believe I'm doing, I don't think it ever ends. Anyway. Session 71, question four, would you explain the concept of working with the unmanifested being in third density to create evolution, to create the evolution? Uh, this is a many layer question, which Straya we wish to expose is questionable. Please restate. Okay, well, okay, let's go into that. Okay, that's where they go into the definition of the unmanifested being. So, and evolution is balancing those thoughts and reactions okay um self-discipline as well discipline of the mind okay so we already answered that um very interesting they they ask about the catalyst to pain uh, session 33 question 16 uh, catalyst to pain how does this how does that work into the manner of things um, that is going under the heading of manifest itself, unmanifest itself. That is the self that does not need other self in order to manifest or act. So, um, and I do want to, I don't know. I don't think I, I described it very well before. Does not need other self in order to manifest or act. So my, my space time self, the, the self that I'm seeing my hands now and I see three dimensions of space around me and one dimension time. Um, you know, as far as interactions with other selves, that's really my catalyst in, in that. So that does need an other self, you know, as far as taking care of my family. My family is my, my needed will to act. Okay. Um, the unmanifest itself, the part of us that's doing like the contemplation and the reviewing and the, uh, the, the balancing of thoughts and, and, you know, clearings and, and this and that. Um, I mean, we can be by ourselves for a week and it doesn't need another person to do that. So I hope that, I hope that clarifies some things. Here we go. Session 34, question six. Can you give me examples of catalytic action to produce learning? Under each of the following, can you give me an example of the self-unmanifested producing learning catalyst? Here we go. I'm talking more about pain. We, we observed your interest in the catalyst of pain. This experience is most common. The pain may be a physical most often it is mental and emotional, you know, mental and emotional pain. I feel like is more intense than your physical pain. Although I've undergone a lot of physical pain in my life, broken bones and car accidents and surgeries and this and that, but I don't feel like any, anything compares to like a mental, emotional pain, such as loss or, um, you know, something of that nature. In a few cases, the pain is spiritual. Okay. Um, this creates a potential for learning. The lessons to be learned vary 
Almost always, these lessons include patience, tolerance, and the ability for the light touch. So, patience is one of my biggest lessons, I think, in this life. So, as it is with a lot of people, I think. So, I mean, we're all getting all kinds of lessons. But patience is that that discipline of yourself to, choose, to be calm in a time where... Um, you have to wait on results for something or patients involving other selves. You know, maybe you see them not wanting to look at their own selves and the actions of their own selves. And, um, and then we go in with the, you know, sometimes that's showing you things about your own self that you need to work on. So having a lesson in patience is, uh, you then we can conclude that you're both learning something the other self is learning or having an opportunity to look at themselves and you're getting a lesson in patience as far as it has knowing that it has to come from from them so i know them that that internal spark of um hey i want to change and it's up to me to do that and for them to realize that um, they shouldn't be waiting around for somebody else to come in and save them. Nobody should be waiting for somebody else to come in and save them. So the, the Savior is inside of you. The Savior is inside of you. It involves the techniques of this unmanifested self and the higher self. If there's too much of a difference, um, you know, in starting with you if you want to change the world you start with you so and then you radiate that outward very often the catalyst for emotional pain whether it be the death of a physical complex of one other self which is loved or some seeming loss will simply result in the opposite in a bitterness and impatience and a souring so we see this all the time this is a catalyst which is going awry. In these cases, there then shall be an additional catalyst provided to offer the unmanifested self further opportunities for discovering the self. As all sufficient creator containing all there is and full of joy. So, yeah. And we see this all the time in people. Uh, mourning is appropriate. You know, I worked hospice for years and mourning is absolutely appropriate but let me tell you everybody mourns in their own way and i've seen some i've got some crazy stories and i've got some beautiful stories um but again it's up to that that person to take the this opportunity um for learning and growth and to because everything everything is pushing us to be the best version of ourselves Every single thing, every opportunity that we have, whether we perceive it as negative or positive, is pushing us to be that good, that great person, that greatest version. And to see ourselves as a creator and um, knowing that there's perfection and everything everything is learning every moment is a teachable moment every moment is a learning moment 
let's skip over this one. Yeah. So here they're talking about subheadings and they were going back and forth on trying to, if they were like making a spreadsheet on categories of the self, basically. So that's what this, this subheading thing is about. Um, ways that the self is acted on catalytically to produce experience. Here we go. Firstly, the self unmanifested. Okay. The unmanifested self sees the catalyst first. Okay. The unmanifested self is the one, um, that is, um, driving Miss Daisy, I guess. Secondly, the self in relation to the societal self created by the self and the other self. So perceptions of you in society that you have of yourself and also the perceptions of others, how they see you as uh, an element of society. Thirdly, the interaction between self and the gadgets, the toys and amusements of the selves. So which is quite interesting what they have to say about it later. Basically, it's all a distraction. Fourthly, the self relationship with those attributes which you may call war and rumors of war. Great catalyst, great catalyst. Um, this is talking about the plan for the evolution of the logos. So um, I will go over this. Uh, then I see the plan for the evolution by this logos as it was planned to create as vivid of an experience as possible but also one which was which was somewhat informed with respect to the infinite creator. So the logos are talking about the galaxy, I believe. The sub-logos is our sun in the middle of our solar system and able to accelerate progress as a function of will because of the permeability of the densities. Have I occur, have I covered accurately the general plan of the logos with its respective its evolution? Accepting the actions of the unmanifested self. So basically they're saying, hey, you do not put, you know, the unmanifested self in this question. The unmanifested self is pertinent in, in undergoing this evolution. Of course, in the actions of self with other self, interactions with, with other, uh, other folks is greatly accelerating our, our evolution. So, um, this one was super interesting. So just keep, keep this one in mind, um, as you go on about, you know, your winter season, if you are in a winter season where you are or any kind of other season, I guess. Question uh, seven of session 34. Do what we call contagious diseases play any part in this process with respect to the unmanifest itself? These so-called dis diseases are those entities of second density. So we're speaking about viruses and we're speaking about bacteria. Those are what cause um, disease on our planet. Which offer an opportunity for this type of catalyst. If the catalyst is unneeded, <clears throat> then these second density creatures, as you would call them, do not have an effect. In each of these generalizations, you may note that they're anomalies so that 
we cannot speak to every circumstance, but only to a general run of things. Okay. So if there is a contagious disease present in society, um, again, they're calling a side note with the interesting things is they're calling these things second density life forms. So that's again, that's your viruses and bacteria, um, uh, microscopic parasites, those types of things. In second density, they're all just about, um, you know, reproduction and, um, you know, trying to gain, trying to gain that awareness of self. Um, so if a virus is going around, it offers a type of catalyst to be infected by that virus. If you do not need that catalyst, if you're not going to gain anything or, uh, from, um, this experience, then you're not going to have an effect. So they may be present in your body structure, but they're not going to create um, the catalyst that we know of as infection or fevers or whatever type of other symptoms or things that you get from um, these things. So Interesting. Okay, this is another really cool one. Session 83, question 16. What techniques, uh, methods of penetration of the veil were planned? And are there others that have occurred, others that than those planned? And raw answers, there were none planned by the first great experiment. As all experiences, these rested upon the nakedness of hypothesis. So a hypothesis is just a theory basically before it is uh, proved to be true. So, I mean, really, I don't know too many theories that are 100% proven right now. I really don't. I mean, there's maybe a, a few, but everything else, we are working off of the state of hypothesis and seeking more. The outcome was unknown, right? It was discovered experientially and empirically that there are as many ways to penetrate the veil as the imagination of the mind-body-spirit complex could provide. The desire of mind-body-spirit complexes to know that which was unknown drew them to the dreaming, right, and the gradual opening to the seeker of all the balancing mechanisms leading to adaptive and communication with teach learners, which could pierce the veil. Um, I do like how they brought up dreaming in this, um, as far as talking about, you know, penetration of the veil and dreaming, you know, again, they talk about how it, we do kind of enter like a um, time space area when we do, when we are dreaming. And this is why dreams seem to, you know, I've had dreams where I felt like it'd been a week, you know, and then I come back and it's been, I wake up and it's been a half an hour, you know, so time really doesn't have a stance on because there's only there, everything is kind of all happening at once. The various unmanifested activities of the self were found to be productive in some degree of penetration in the veil. Right. So, yeah, it does help. They're saying to do these unmanifested activities such as balancing and contemplation and disciplines um, and those types of things.
they go on to say in general, we may say that the far most vivid and even extravagant opportunities for piercing the veil are a result of the interaction of polarized entities. Again, this is us interacting with other selves. They do kind of add in the um, the verbiage of polarized. Um, so, you know, maybe that's something I need to get a good grasp on what they mean by polarized. I know that we're working on polarization with service to self, service to others, that type of thing. So, um, maybe this is interacting with other folks who are on the same path that we are, or maybe not even like how come, how much can we gain from, from interacting with an, uh, polarized entity that is service, that is trying to polarize service to self. And if we cut them out of our life, are we potentially removing a certain kind of catalyst, possibly a really big one to learn from this type of experiment? I mean, the ones that are polarizing this way, I find it's a great example of how not to be. So we need to understand how not to be, you know, to understand how to be. Just my own thoughts. Okay. This is interesting. It goes into um, the self in relation to the societal self, which kind of reminds me of the archetype, the Hierophant. You know, that's who I think of as um, the our society self. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the Hierophant is, is depicted with a loudspeaker or uh, some type of um, trumpet or something like that. I mean, this is who we really strive to be in society, who we see ourselves as making a difference in the community. Um, you know, minus all the anxieties and minus all of the uh, worthiness blocks and minus all of that, you know, this is who we really strive to be in society, who we see ourselves as. A, uh, they answer the unmanifested self may find its lessons in those which develop any of the energy and flux centers of the mind, body, spirit complex. The, the society, blah, the societal and self interactions most often concentrate upon the second and third energy centers so that's your your orange and your your yellow thus those most active in attempting to remake or alter the society or those working from feelings of being correct personally or of having answers which will put power in a more correct configuration so you know power is working from that yellow ray this may be seen to be full of travel from negative to positive and orientation. Okay, so moving from negative to positive, correct, putting power in a more correct configuration is more, it's a move from negative to positive. Either will activate these energy ray centers. Yeah, because we really, we really want to sit down and think and make sure that we are not part of the problem and that we are not trying to force our opinions on others if we and make sure we are not violating the free will of others in any kind of way that involves our family members and involves our friends that involves whoever else that we're interacting with because we wouldn't you know we can't sit there and say oh free will for everybody and then say that well if they don't do this then you know, they're evil or crazy and, you know, that's kind of like an oxymoron. It's kind of almost being a hypocrite. So we need to make sure that we're not being part of the problem 
and that we don't seek the power over others um, like the the negative orientation is so putting that power in a more correct configuration I don't know maybe seen by realizing that the the own power that you hold inside yourself as being the creator and radiating that love and that free will and that um that enlightenment state of, of being as we are all one and we should teach each, uh, treat each other as if we are all one and if i um uh, for example uh slap somebody else and i'm slapping myself basically and i'm eventually going to what goes around comes around going to end up having to balance that karma in some way so we should just start with us and be like well i'm going to since this person is my other self i'm going to treat them as they are myself so and i would want forgiveness and i would want you know this and that so um and so on and so forth there are some few whose desires to aid society are great right nature or above okay these entities, however, are few due to the understanding of fourth ray that is universal love freely given is more to be desired than principalities or even the rearrangement of peoples and of political structures. And they went into, um, went in before, I think it was the, uh, maybe the control versus freedom, maybe the one before that. It talks about how you know, in fourth density, people have tried to do the political thing and it just never works out. Like there's always an imbalance with it and things. So uh, I'm not really understanding. And when the more I look at the world today, I don't understand why we need that. You know, if, if everybody could just work together and understand what you need and what other people need and be willing to provide where you can and when you can. Um, and, where you know, if... We, once we do make this shift, and hopefully it is of the right um, frequency, you know, are we really going to need that if, if we all just understood and we're willing to pitch in where we need and where we can with our own um, strengths and our own talent? Um, the things we have learned on this life or past lives that we're bringing forth. So, um, I'm not going to read this whole question, but uh, they ask then uh, about the the shape of the the pyramid. Yeah, yeah. They were asking about the shape of the pyramid. So, they place uh, little or no emphasis on the shape basically so it quite interesting because they talk about how the shape is like ridiculously efficient in in creating types of it's made of consciousness and that so but they did say we spend a much larger portion of our space time working with the unmanifested being to create their evolution so again that is doing your inner work it's a part of you that is doing your inner work so um, and they talk about uh, the unmanifested being at this space time among your peoples. Um, hold on, let's go back. At this space time, we may best serve you, we believe, by stating that the pyramid for meditation 
along with other rounded and arched or pointed circular shapes is of help to you. Right. Um, so this your TPs and things. However, it is our observation that due to the complexity of influences upon the unmanifest itself at this space time among your peoples, it is best to progress the uh, mind body spirit complex take place without as you call them training aids so uh, there's another part where they talk about how that the pyramid is basically uh training wheels <laughs> it's basically training wheels uh training aids because when you see a training aid an entity then takes it upon itself the law of responsibility there we go for the quickened or increased rate of learned teaching right so it's like training wheels you're trying to learn to to ride a bike right of course you're going to have training wheels at first until you really get that sense of balance and direction and coordination down so but you we ourselves have to take that responsibility for what it is that we are experiencing and responsibility for our own actions and thoughts and understand the effect that our actions and thoughts have upon, you know, the world around us, including our own self. Um, it is not to put into practice in the moment by moment expert experience of the entity. Then the usefulness of the training aid becomes negative. Very true. So, we are not to put in the, the, the pyramid structure or the pyramid shape into practice in the moment by moment experience. So this is where the unmanifest itself and the higher, higher self kind of take over in the moment by moment experience. So that is our responsibility. That is not up to whatever shape, uh, whatever tool that we are using. That is us. Um, This is where they talk about, you know, the unmanifest itself interacting with gadgets and toys and things like that. So, um, yeah, they talk about how it's, it's for the most part in the orange and the yellow rice centers. In a negative sense, this is what you call your communication devices and other distractions, right? Uh, you may be seen to have a distortion keeping the mind-body-spirit complex unactivated. So that yellow and orange ray is much weakened, thus carefully decreasing the potentially uh, the possibility of eventual green ray activation. So, yeah, there's another point in here. I think it was my, one of the other sessions that I had written down to, to go over. But uh, we are, you know, it says that the photon was created. I'm sorry, the photon was increased to a green ray that is surrounding our planet and this started in 1936 it's really our bodies that need to catch up and do the balancing exercises and that takes a lot of time and a lot of generations um, but there is an awful lot of orange ray overlay you know and to me all this is the um yeah the sexual misgivings i think that have been happening on this planet and it's keeping people stuck in those mindsets because it's going to decrease the possibility of that unconditional love and that compassion okay so yeah i do feel you know like i use the computer obviously for a lot of learning a lot of spiritual learning so it's kind of using their own tool against them i suppose but 
uh, the ones, the powers that try to keep us from activating that green ray. Okay. Uh, I went over this before, but I will say it again. Uh, contact with indigo ray need not necessarily show itself in any certain gift or guidepost because they were asking about the ability to bend metal and that, um, and that's considered a guidepost. They were asking if this was a guidepost in the fact that that particular person's indigo ray might be developing. And they're like, yeah, we, we really shouldn't see it that way. Uh, there are some whose indigo ray is at a pure being and is never manifested. Okay. Manifested versus unmanifested. There we go. So your indigo ray can be completely in there unmanifested. Yet all are aware of such an entity's progress. Others may teach or share in many ways contact with intelligent infinity. So they've experienced intelligent infinity. So then they try to uh, work in a way to teach that to others. Others just continue in unmanifested form. Again, unmanifested is that portion of you that's doing the thinking, the contemplating, the the balancing of thoughts and that, uh, and seeking, seeking intelligent infinity. Okay. Um, that's being, that's the manifestation is a lesser signpost. So don't think of being able to do these things as a complete, they've got everything figured out kind of thing, because someone can be understanding of it all and not necessarily bring that down into manifested form. So manifested means you, this, you know, the part of you that you can see your arms, your hands, your legs, your face. That is your manifested. We are spirit in manifested form. Okay. Yeah. Healing exercises concerning the body. Uh, what do you mean by disciplines of, disciplines of the body having to do with balance between love and wisdom and the use of the body in its natural functions? This is session 61, question 6. Um, the body complex has natural functions, many having to do with the unmanifested self, and you're normally not the subject, I'm sorry, and are normally not subject to the need for balancing. Okay, There are natural functions having to do with the other self. Uh, among these are touching, loving the sexual life, and those times when the company of another is craved to combat the type of loneliness, which is a natural function of the body, as opposed to those types of loneliness, which are the mind, emotional complex, or of the spirit. So, just trying to grasp an entire view on um, what the unmanifested self is. You know, the unmanifest itself, they're talking about loneliness and that, you know, are you lonely and being, not being in company of others? Uh, there's a difference between being lonely physically and being lonely mentally. So um, there is, uh, I think in the same context here, uh, yeah. Let me go on a little bit, actually, because I'm going to talk about these two. When these natural functions may be observed in the daily life, they may be examined in order that the love of self and other self versus the wisdom regarding the use of natural functions. There are many fantasies and stray thoughts which may be examined in most of your people's in this balancing progress. So, yeah, I, I agree. 
equally to be balanced is the withdrawal from the need for these natural functions with regard to other self. Okay. Um, the withdrawal from the need from these natural functions in regard to the other self. When on the other hand, there is the excess of love, it may be determined whether this is love of self or other self or both. On the other hand, there is an overbalance towards wisdom. So we should kind of withdraw from basically what they're saying. You need to balance and being be able to be okay with these things. Quite interesting how we had a, an opportunity to do that, you know, in the last uh, three years or so. Yeah. Okay. The important balancing is the understanding of each interaction on this level with other selves, so that whether the balance may be love wisdom or wisdom love, the other self is seen by the self in a balanced configuration, and the self is freed for further work. Okay. Let me go into a couple of the ones that I kind of wrote down here as a quick side note. Huh. I think I wrote down the wrong number. That's okay. I found it. Um. This is session 41, question 20. Uh, could you tell me the difference between space-time and time-space? So again, I, I was when we first started, I was speaking about um, where they were giving the definition of the unmanifested being, and they were saying the unmanifested being is kind of the space. I'm sorry, the time-space analog of of us. They are the, the manifested space-time. Using your words, the difference is that between the visible and invisible, or the physical and the metaphysical. So metaphysical is invisible, the physical is visible, of course. Using mathematical terms, as does the one you call Larson, Dewey Larson, the difference is that between space-time and time-space. Okay. Visible versus invisible. There is a portion of me that nobody has ever seen, okay? Um, although, as of lately, I've really been trying to manifest the, my unmanifested, if that makes sense, you know, and maybe we should be, you know, bringing out that more unmanifested version of ourselves, because really that is our true self. How we think, how we feel, how we see ourselves in society or with our family and what role we feel like we have and that we give ourselves, you know, um, just like, uh, that old saying, you know, dress for the job that you want, you know, well, I want to bring in more of my spiritual self into the, uh, my spiritual being into the world around me. Uh, and I feel like that should be the goal for a, a lot of people. It's everybody's free will, of course, but what is it that we're doing as far as this ascension is going? It is bringing our spirit self into more of a manifested form so dress for the job that you want and walk the walk and talk the talk um so 29 was another one 
Okay, it was talking, I, I brought this down because I went in a huge thing the other night about what it meant to be metaphysical because once I kind of read where metaphysical was the invisibleness of us um, and having a Jew with visualizations of the indigo ray and that once that is activated, it, it really threw me into a thing with... And last time, too, we went over, you know, how the, the gateway may possibly be in, in the form of a, um, a wormhole or a black hole. So uh, a black hole at that point, am I correct in saying that it would be a point at which the environmental material had succeeded in uniting with unity or the creator? Is this correct? The black hole which manifests in third density is the physical complex manifestations of this spiritual or metaphysical state. This is correct. So I'll let you all make your own assumptions of that. But uh, what we're seeing is a manifestation of, of some uh, physical manifestation reuniting with the creator. So. Oh, this is interesting. Um, the next one, 2920. And then when our planet on Earth here gets fully into fourth density, will there be a greater gravity? There will be a greater spiritual gravity, thus creating a denser illusion. Um, and next time I'm going to go into spiritual mass, I think, because I think this is kind of, uh, as we go and move through these um, octaves, and these densities were ganging spiritual mass, and it has to do with the photons, and um, and it's it's congruent with our expanded version of ourselves and our our expanded view of uh, the creation around us, and that and we're we're really being packed more dense with light, okay, uh, thus adding spiritual mass so this is kind of what it's i think it's referring to um, we are going to be having a greater spiritual mass and uh, they do go into um how in in the six entities and that it really takes on a lot more spiritual mass so that's really when it kind of um we're doing it now but Sixth density is like the threshold where it was just like the point of no return, kind of as far as taking in that 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 photon spiritual mass that I was talking about. So um, I'm going to take a drink here. Okay. So. Let's go over how long have we been recording? Let me check that first. Okay, we have time to go over one or two more. Go over session 70. That was the next one that was caught my eye for today. Number 12.
Oh, I think this is what I was talking about. <laughs> so, session 70, question 12. Then what we are looking at is a long path of experience through the densities up to mid-six, which is kind of where the higher self is residing, which are all a function totally free of will and results in the awareness of the higher self in mid-six density. But since time is illusory, and there is, shall I say, a unification of time and space, or an eradication of what we think of as time. And this is mid-sixth density, this is where our higher self resides. Then all of this experience that results in the higher self, the cause of involvement through the densities is existing while the environment takes place since it's all simultaneous it's a mouthful of trying to and a brain fall <laughs> so, but the higher self is the one you know that really is in sixth density there's a unification of time and space we really don't think too much of time space versus space time you know we're just really starting to grasp the um even going down the thought process of what these two can be, you know, um, is this correct? And really there's no difference between time space and time space. That would be our understanding in mid six density, which again is where our higher self resides. We refrain from speaking of correctness due to the understanding of the immense difficulty of absorbing the concepts of metaphysical existence. So again, invisible, existence in time space which is precisely as much of yourself as is space time all times are simultaneous just as in your geography your cities and villages are all functioning bustling and alive with entities going on about their business at once so it is in time space with the self so we can't even begin to fathom how I mean, I know we'll have an expanded concept of this when we seek more, um, but can't even begin to fathom everything all happening at once in time space. So, but it's eventually it becomes a normal thing. So, um, as far as I think fourth density, starting in fourth density is where they speak about how basically. Um, uh, an entity is is experiencing space time starting to experience space time and time space almost simultaneously but that takes a lot of grasping i would think and it takes a lot of inner work it takes a lot of um acknowledgement that you are uh, the universe encapsulated in the body we are the creator we are a portion of that creator just as much as everyone else and this takes a lot of breaking down barriers and um, what you thought of as your truth before versus how it really is and how you're experiencing things and um, all this good stuff. So um, I believe next time I want to go over and discuss, um, you know, a little bit more about that spiritual math as I talked about. So, but we'll leave it there for today. I hope that gives you some insight. Um, again, as I said, going through this time now we are experiencing an expanded version of self and we really need to understand what that actually means what does that entail and 
I, upon meditating at Eiffel, I think this is a part of ourselves that's been there all along. We just never really had a concept that it was, it was a part of ourselves and that um, we can use this as a tool for evolution going down and you can use it as a tool for discipline and um, further seeking and uh, further further experience down whatever polarity we choose for ourselves and i'm i'm seeing it in others too a lot of folks are coming and saying that they are experiencing things differently than they were before and they're not understanding it and um completely not connected with an the inner circle that i've already got so it is widespread um you know and i didn't go over Yes, I did go over where the green ray already really is here. It's just our bodies really have to catch up and this takes some time. And the ones that have these so-called mental diseases now um, are just aren't really looking to look at themselves and take responsibility for themselves and see how their actions are affecting the people in the world around them. So um, I think we're seeing that on a big level now. And I, don't know how much longer it's going to keep going and i'm sure it's going to get more intense so as long as you are doing your inner work and taking responsibility for your own self and um, showing others the way by doing so then and keep seeking and keep bettering yourself and um, keep wanting better for the world right now i think we're on the right path then so all right, until next time, guys.